today on Owl Have You Know. Even when you graduate 10, 15 years down the road, you pick up the phone or you send an email to somebody who you've been at rice with, regardless of what class, what year, they're going to respond to you. That is a sacred part of rice and keeps us all together. Welcome into Owl Have You Know. I'm your host, David Drugliver. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Davina Bojwani. Davina is the president and co-owner of Idea Lab Kids. She is also the Rice Business Class of 2006 in the full-time program and is also a Jones School board member and involved with the International Student Association. So first off, Davina, great to have you today and welcome in. David, thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to be here. Likewise, I am uh, just uh, refilling up my cup of coffee here because I think we have a lot to unpack. <laughs> it's been many moons since you've uh, completed the program uh, since 2006. So there's there's a lot here. And as many folks, they come out of rice, maybe they were in oil and gas or they go into oil and gas or the energy sector. And I know that was part of your background. And now you're in a completely different space. So um, could you give us a little harbor cruise of your background and how you got to the point where you're focused on a franchise such as Idea Lab Kids? Sure, definitely. I like how you said, um, you know, with Rice and Houston, we all end up somehow being connected to oil and gas. So that was very true of my journey. Um, I've worked in the oil and gas sector for about 10 years. Um, after Rice, uh, I went to Transocean. And I was in their corporate planning and forecasting group, uh, was, you know, living my dream job in a way after our MBAs and having a great time. And then in uh, 2009, I had my first child. And uh, that's what made me kind of take a pause in my career and figure out what I really wanted to do next. And uh, education is something that had always been very close um, to my heart, education and entrepreneurship. And four years after graduating from Rice is when I realized that the benefit of Al Napier's new enterprise class, um, it still had a lot of great memories. And um, that's what made me jump into business ownership. So we purchased, uh, me and my husband purchased a couple Jimboree play and music centers. Uh, it was a, it's a franchise and an indoor playscape for uh, children. My own child took her first uh, steps at that uh, at that facility and uh, that started off us off on a completely different journey. Uh, this was about a decade ago. And, um, you know, it was a hard decision to pivot from the cushy corporate job because you had this consistent salary uh, that came to you on a bi-monthly basis. And then you had to kind of give that up and take the risk of uh, entrepreneurship. But, you know, I will tell you, uh, David, that that's something that I have never looked back on and do not regret to this day. It's opened up so many different opportunities. Um, I ran and operated my Jimboree centers for eight years and um, grew my four centers to be the top performing in the nation. Um, exited in late 2018 to 19. And um, in the meanwhile, I had also become an investor in Idea Lab uh, franchise, which is a franchise program here in Houston. It's a STEM-based after-school franchise. And what started off as um, a passive investment turned into a more full-time gig for me. I stepped in uh, about a year ago to be the president uh, here at our corporate offices in Houston. 
That is a lot. I'm making a couple <laughs> notes here. And so, well, I appreciate that. And just to get a little bit, maybe one more level deeper on that, um, it, was it was it the focus on family that brought you into this focus on education? Was it the social circle, a tribe that you're in? I mean, there are many things that you could have done. So what brought you to want to enter into entrepreneurship and, and really in the education space? I'll, I'll take this a step back. Um, me and my husband grew up in uh, Dubai, in the Middle East. And what brought us to Houston was actually Rice University. He was a full-time class of 2004. And then I went right after him. So we were two back-to-back MBAs. And I think when I look back at my journey, uh, what I realize is education's always been a top priority for me. We picked up our lives and moved ourselves all the way from Dubai to Houston for Rice. And um, that's made me realize how much emphasis I lay on good education. And there were three things. One was the flexibility that I was looking for for myself as a working mom. Uh, We had two high-strung careers in my household. And I realized fairly quickly being in um, oil and gas that, you know, I could work the 80 hours a week. I didn't mind that, but I needed it to be on my own terms. So that was one primary reason was the flexibility. Secondly was we used to take her to this program um, when she was a baby and she started crawling there, taking her first steps there, like I mentioned. Um, and I realized that it was it was like a little happy place. You know, everybody that came there, this was their one hour that they got to spend with their baby. And the funny thing was that she had an identity there. Even though she was only six months old, we walked in one day and her teacher says, hi, Anya. I said, wow, this is my little six-month-old and they all know her here, even though she just attends once a week. Um, So that's what really made me pick up the phone and call the corporate offices in California and say, I love this program. Can I open one of these centers for myself? And that led into a discussion of, well, the Houston market's tapped out. We've been around for 40 years, but you can definitely buy a couple centers uh, which are up for resale. So that led into the decision of buying those uh, three or four centers that I started with. And um, lastly, I think also the entrepreneurship that you mentioned, you know, that's something that we've grown up around. My um, dad is an entrepreneur. My in-laws have their own businesses in uh, Dubai. So I think somewhere deep down, we always knew that uh, we wanted to venture into that space. You do have to be willing to take a huge amount of risk. And I think that risk appetite is, if you've grown up around it, that's something that comes very easy. That's an interesting call out that that's already part of your family. So that sort of risk taking energy was already there. Perhaps on Idea Lab Kids, you know, just to focus on that. And you had mentioned STEM based after school programs. And just, you know, if you could do maybe a compare contrast between Jimbery and then Idea Lab Kids, just so we can have a little bit of context uh, between those two. Sure, absolutely. Um, so Jimbery was uh, a, is a program that focuses on the zero to five year age range um, and focuses more on fine and gross motor skills. And uh, with Idea Lab, uh, the program is a STEM based after school. Like I mentioned, it's the age ranges are five to fourteen, and uh, primarily the programs are around coding, um, drone flying, robotics, engineering, uh, art. We have a culinary art section. So really, all of these programs are introduced to 
kids in, at a younger age. Um, some of the schools in different states uh, do not really have STEM education included in um, the public school system. So the advantage of STEM is you introduce these children to these concepts early in life, and and you you might see a spark in coding. You know, there might be a child that that's interested in coding. So that's that's really the the stark difference between the two programs is, um, you know, taking the children through the uh, elementary and middle school years versus the early child education. Yeah, yeah. Needless to say, I, flying drones or it was not part of my public school education. So <laughs> maybe I need a little bit of <laughs> Idea Lab kids uh, when I was five to fourteen. That's that is amazing. I can only imagine the the capabilities and you know, especially with data sciences. You had mentioned such a such a big one, and this this teased them up for that so much earlier. My goodness, so um, fascinating. And um, so let's focus on sort of the challenges um, or maybe even pleasures of, of running a, a franchise like like this one and this STEM based program. Um, obviously, we'll talk about you know COVID impacts in a bit, but when you made the shift to Idea Lab kids, what are some of the things that you have found you know, the most challenging and, and sort of have learned along the way as, as you've been growing Idea Lab kids? So, you know, one, one thing that I brought to the table when I joined uh, Idea Lab was that I'd been a franchisee myself. And I think having lived in those shoes, having been a business owner operator myself, I kind of could really relate to my franchisees. Uh, I think the biggest challenge right at the beginning for me was really dividing my time to be internally focused on our uh, management team here uh, within the Idea Lab headquarters, and then to have a balance between being externally focused on our customers. I mentioned that because our customers are not just our franchisees, but our end customer, who are these children who take these classes, even though they don't come into a facility that I own and operate and I teach, I our offices or our headquarters are responsible for the lesson plans or the customer experience at that facility. Um, so at the end of the day, that end customer having making sure that they are having the best experience as we envisioned um, through the program is something that um, has been different for me because when I was a franchisee, I could see and touch that customer directly, give out customer surveys, get more direct feedback. Now, I, pivoting to with my corporate hat, you know, that's there a little. There's another level <laughs> or layer in between um, them and I. But um, you know, it is something that I'm learning um, to react differently towards and to divide my time be, between being. Um, internally and externally focused. Wow, there, there's a lot there. My goodness, I, mm -hmm. I have three or four <laughs> questions just based on that. And and um, do you then focus on helping the franchise and, and like, what does that look like and how much ownership happens? Because I'm thinking of on one side of the spectrum, you know, from a, from management, you're saying, okay, well, here's the program, here are the support structures we're going to give you. And then it's on you to perform, get customers and, you know, focus on that customer experience. On the other side of the spectrum, you get involved in the franchise in the day to day. And, and it's more of a, you know, locking arms type of motion. So where in the spectrum does each of those pieces lie between the management and, and the franchisees? 
You know, um, one thing we tell all our prospect franchisees when they come in um, for Discovery Day is you are going to wear multiple hats from operations to marketing to programming. Um, You're the all and end all. You know, even though you might get a director or um, a manager who might help you run your facility, really all of these facets of the business fall under um, the owner. Now, um, taking it to the next level, what the corporate offices do at any franchise is they will give you an operations manual. They'll give you a marketing calendar, most likely for the entire year. So your tools and your assets are laid out and given to you. But at the end of the day, then it comes really back to you, David, as a franchisee um, to have the motivation and desire to really run that program at the best level and we see this across any franchise system, right? I saw this at Jimboree when my centers grew to the top performing locations. People used to come and ask me, you know, what are you doing differently that we could do in our markets? And I and I led so many different webinars for them. And now that I look back at that journey, I don't think it was one thing. I think it really was a mix of everything, having a team that's motivated and driven and that can be the right brand ambassador for your brand. So it comes back to your people skills, um, because at the end of the day, even though you own these locations, the customer is coming in and seeing that one STEM teacher or that drone teacher, and that's their customer experience. So like you you mentioned, you've gone to these programs, you've done jujitsu. You know, if you're it doesn't matter who owns that jujitsu studio, but if you had a great experience with that teacher, you're going to go back. You're going to write a review for that for that place. You're going to go on Facebook, tell your friends about it because you've had such a great customer experience there. Um, so there's so many multifaceted layers to this, uh, David. That you know, it's it goes pretty deep. But I do think uh, from our side as franchisor, the one thing that I focus on is motivating our franchisees, and we do this through webinars that we host on a monthly basis. Uh, we also have a town hall session that we do with them on a quarterly basis. And uh, we, we have little awards that keep going between the little franchisees so that they they get to compete amongst each other on you know best customer service or highest uh, revenue performance and um, you know things like that that can motivate and elevate everyone to the next level. You've mentioned customer experience uh, several times. You talked about providing the tools and the enablement and the webinars and town halls, et cetera. Uh, but at, from a systemization standpoint and being able to get a good picture of the landscape of the franchisees and the end customers, it do you have a methodology or even secret sauce on how to keep a pulse on that experience for the entire ecosystem? What does that look like and from a management perspective? At one point in this conversation, I mentioned, I feel like I'm pivoting myself from education to tech. And uh, maybe this also brings us to the COVID uh, pandemic that we've all been dealing with this year. We had a tech platform that we were working on last year, uh, which would help our franchisees administer their classes. Um, They wouldn't have to print lesson plans. Everything would be automated. And then that also had a an arm of a customer experience where you could uh, do surveys and get feedback. And uh, 
when the pandemic locked us down in March, uh, we really went back and spent more time developing that platform. So it's a proprietary platform that we rolled out um, in 2020. And um, I will say that that tool has really helped in um, keeping up with our customers' experience and making sure that our customers are having a great time when they go to any of our center, be it Bakersfield, California, or um, Bel Air, Central Houston, Texas. So um, consistency, I think, is is you know what is key in franchising. Uh, we've all heard this: uh, a franchise brand like a McDonald's or a Chick Fil A will try to have the same burger that you go and have at any of their locations, and uh, that is what we are. We're a very small franchise at this stage, David, but that is something that we're really aiming towards. You know, this is still a growth area for me for 2021. Is how do I better uh, getting feedback from our customers at the franchisor level. Yeah, I definitely want to um, talk about the the pivots inside of of COVID, which is the the elephants in uh, the room here. And so it blindsided everyone. Let's talk about that pivot and you know what this year has looked like for you in terms of having to make the changes with social distancing and sanitation and you know shifting to video. I know that's a lot, but I know that's also been something you've been really focused on this year. So talk to us about how COVID has changed your business and how how you think you can thrive despite a global pandemic. COVID has thrown us all in all business owners and into the storm that we're all trying to survive and come out of um, ahead, hopefully in 2021. But, um, you know, when COVID first hit on March 13th and we all had lockdown orders in most states, the um, first thing that we thought of was how do we still stay top of mind um, for our customers, right? They're they're home. There's no school. Schools were thrown into this frenzy of we don't know when we're going to open, if it's going to be virtual, in person. Um, so what we did was we took our lessons, science experiments, um, building a robot out of boxes, easy things that we someone could do at home, and we posted them on our social media pages. We did a Facebook Live. We started doing a couple newsletters. And um, a funny story there, David, is in our little world, these videos went viral for us. Uh, we had up to 5,000 views on some of these uh, DIY projects um, that someone could do at home with their child. And we were hearing more and more from our end customer that give us more of these. You know, we're stuck at home and this is giving us a great um, project to do with our child since there was no school or anything going on at that time. And um, that's what made us start working on um, going beyond our four walls of our facility. and. Uh, building out these lessons. So we're still working on these videos. And that's a big uh, project that's been a focus for me this year is uh, converting our 5,000 hours of uh, curriculum into self-paced learning videos that could be implemented and taught at any facility, be it a YMCA, an after-school provider. Um, and the reason we're looking at that space is um, with or without COVID, these facilities are not wanting any outside providers to come into their facilities. In the past, traditionally pre-COVID years, they would come to us and say, bring your teachers in, teach our, come teach our children. And now, even though they are open, you know, they have all sorts of other restrictions to deal with. Um, so that has been one uh, big pivot and what makes me feel like we're turning into more of a SaaS-based company. Mm -hmm. uh, 2021 will uh, 
show us more of where that goes for us as a program because we have the content. We're just working towards uh, delivering it in the right format. So our um, Idea Lab offices have turned into Idea Lab studios where we're doing all the filming and um, we have talent or actors there for uh, these videos to teach these classes, which they used to be our prior teachers. Mm-hmm. And then our um, our second biggest... Like this, is, uh, this is not on my job description. <laughs> <laughs> so true. That's funny. <laughs> and then uh, one interesting pivot that I'll share with you also was uh, we were looking for an investor. Our journey was we started franchising in 2017. We've been around since 2011. We ran and operated a couple of our own stores. And then um, we were inundated with requests to franchise this concept. And that started us on this legal journey in 2016 of franchise disclosure documents and setting up an ops manual, um, which I won't bore you with all the details. But in 2017, when we started our first franchise in Austin, Texas, since from that day to today, we've grown fairly quickly and spent some organic growth. We've sold about close to 100 locations and we have about uh, 20 of them operating right now. Um, so that made us look for an investor for to sustain our cash needs and um, bring somebody else in for the next stage of growth. And the moment the pandemic hit, David, I honestly thought to myself, there's no way that we're going to find an investor during COVID. There's a couple of potentials we were talking to. Some of them said, oh, well, I'm going to wait and see how um, Idea Lab does. How does brick and mortar survive this pandemic? But I'm happy to say that in July, we did... Um, bring a majority investor in from California. And, um, you know, that was was a lot of hard work and a lot of due diligence that went into it. And, um, and hopefully it was the right move for the company. So congratulations on, on the majority investor. That is that is yeah, impressive. Thank you, David. Wow. Yeah. Um, I skipped past a question I want to ask earlier as we were talking about customer experience management and uh, the operations. As you said, you encouraged sort of a healthy competition between the various Mm -hmm. franchisees. So I'm curious when you gauge performance, is it solely inside of Idea Labs and between betwixt the franchisees? Or do you also use other, whether it's a competitor or other similar type of of franchises um, in industry or adjacent industries to help to gauge uh, the performance of of the franchise? So for most of our key performance indicators for our franchisees, um, they're mostly internal looking where they compare themselves to each other, uh, but they do look at industry averages. So really there are industry averages in the education space. And that is something that we always look at to see, you know, what is um, the percent open rate for, for these centers? How can we make them f- come online faster? You know, there is a time lag there because of uh, the fact that you have to sign a lease, uh, find the right location, do a build out. And of course, given the year that we've had this year, there have been delays, especially on the uh, lease side, for sure. So um, I will say, yes, we do look at key performance indicators outside of uh, just the franchise system and what's the industry average in the norm. We do look at uh, competitors, but we are still in, I would feel, on the younger side in terms of a franchise because we've grown so quickly that we're still trying to find our own two feet and figure out who do we exactly compare ourselves to. 
I appreciate all the the plates that are spinning in the air, you know. <laughs> so, uh, oh, that's great. Um, well, maybe one or two topics, and and we'll wind down here. Um, of course, the experience at Rice itself, and, and you know, sort of look looking at your path forward. Um, what are some of the takeaways uh, from your experience when you were full time at Rice for for the two years? Some of the things that that you gleaned that you were able to use going forward after graduation that perhaps you might may want to call out to any prospective or current students um, to potentially utilize if they wanted to follow a similar career trajectory or or otherwise. I mean, I can't say enough about my rice experience. Um, you know, it truly has opened up so many different opportunities for me personally. Um, just the rice community in itself. I think one of the key takeaways for me from rice was people had said, had mentioned that to me that the rice community is very strong and you're lucky to have gotten in. I don't think I had enough regard for that until I really have gone through that experience myself. And, you know, I think you mentioned this earlier, David, but in my, it's been a while since I did my MBA class of 06 but um, I will tell you, till date, I'm still using those contacts and connections. Uh, one of our advisors for our company, for Idea Lab, is uh, Craig Cianti, and he is a Rice alum. He is he's taught classes at Rice University. He's also the founder of uh, Pino's Palette. I tapped into him a year and a half ago uh, when my franchising journey began, and you know, one thing led to another, and now we talk on a weekly basis. He's uh, He's a great coach and mentor and also an, a, an advisor for us for the firm. So uh, that would be my my big advice to anyone who's at Rice. Um, even when you graduate 10, 15 years down the road, you pick up the phone or you send an email to somebody who you've been at Rice with, regardless of what class, what year, EMBA, <laughs> uh, full time, you know, they're going to respond to you. At least you'll get their year the first time around. So um, definitely, you know, that is a sacred part of rice and it keeps us all together. That's really well said. That seems to be a recurring motif in these conversations. And as I connect with alumni, um, so the path forward here from you, I mean, we talked about the pivot and uh, of course you're working with your new majority investor. Uh, your kids are growing and, and uh, teaching you how to do podcasting and, <laughs> and coding apparently <laughs> and flying drones. Um, what, you know, just generally speaking, you know, moving forward, um, you know, for Idea Lab and, and for yourself, what are your major efforts and, and focus areas um, as we go? And, and, and certainly, you know, acknowledging the fact that there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unknown unknowns. But as you plod forward, um, what are your focus areas and what does success look like for you? Oh, my gosh, that's a, a big question that you asked. Um, so path forward, I think for us is trying to reach as many children as we can through our program. Um, and hopefully these self-paced classes that we're uh, developing and our technology that we have that's being uh, rolled out in January, it's we have a beta version of the platform being rolled out in January. Hopefully that is something that, um, you know, takes off for us. Um, but you asked what does success look like? For, I think that would be a big success metric for me. Personally, um, the brick and mortar and the operation of our stores and surviving the pandemic and coming out ahead um, post-pandemic or post-vaccine when, uh, you know, people talk about things returning to normal, 
I think that that is that's a given. Uh, but the technology part is something that's new for our, for us. And the reason I'm so passionate about it too is um, it helps us go beyond our four walls, like I mentioned before. And it doesn't limit us to just the 40, 50 kids that we could see at our centers in these uh, states that we're in. You know, it really makes you a global program. Um, we have a franchise uh, area developer in uh, Saudi Arabia in the Middle East. And they, I mean, they've been beyond excited about this new technology that's being rolled out next year because that makes them feel like they can, you know, offer these classes in, in the UAE and Dubai. So that's really a big focus for me in uh, 2021. And um, of course, you know, hoping that our brick and mortar stores survive um, the pandemic. Well, Davina, I've really appreciated this. And, and you know, as always, I always have to say the I could go on for hours and hours with you. And I know we have follow on conversations be, betwixt us going forward. Um, so for folks that want to learn more about Idea Lab Kids um, or how to better support you or learn more about the program or maybe even consider investing, how would you like folks to to get in touch with either yourself for the, the franchise um, or your ecosystem? Yeah, uh, they can definitely reach out to me. I'm available on email. Um, my email is my first name, Davina, D-E-V-I-N-A at idealabkids.com and kids with an S. And then definitely visit us on our website uh, at idealabkids.com. We have presence in about eight states in the U.S. currently, um, hopefully trying to open more. So if you're ever interested in franchising or investing or even just taking a class for your child, um, we would love to have you. Well, Davina, it's been such a pleasure. So, um, you know, in the spirit of I'll have you know, um, are there any other maybe uh, nuggets that you haven't shared or would like to share uh, with the the broader team before we adjourn here that uh, maybe folks don't either know about you or something maybe hot off the press um, or otherwise? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think we spent a lot of time, David, talking about uh, pivoting to entrepreneurship. I think in my journey, I've met a lot of people who've, who've asked me about that leap of faith that I took when I left my Transocean um, job and pivoted to this uh, small business ownership space. It, you know, it was a big leap. It's uh, what I will say is it, it may or may not be for you. You know, um, I definitely talk to more people if that's something you're thinking about. Um, you touched on this earlier where you could do you know, these days you could do a side gig, try it out as a side gig. If, if that works, then go ahead and take the full, uh, full jump or leap ahead. Uh, but definitely it is, it's been an awesome journey and continues to be so. And, um, you know, I hope that anyone listening to this, if you get inspired, then, um, feel free to reach out if you have any more questions. Uh, I will say, David, thank thank you so much for having me. This has been a pleasure and uh, you're a great host. So um, I'm excited to have this rolled out to all the listeners out there. Absolutely. And, and for the folks listening, you know, please you know, help us out with a, a share and, and push this out to your ecosystem, whether it's Rice alumni or students or otherwise or business leaders out there. Appreciate that in advance. Davina, it's been a pleasure as well. Likewise, thank you for the sentiment. And folks listening, thank you for tuning in to I'll Have You Know. Take care and have a good one. Thank you, David. 
This has been I'll Have You Know. Thanks for listening. You can find links and more information about our guests, hosts, and announcements on our website, business.rice.edu. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts and leave us a comment while you're at it. Let us know what you think. I'll Have You Know is a production of Rice Business and is sponsored by the Rice Business Alumni Board. The hosts of I'll Have You Know are myself, Christine Dobbin, and David Drew Gleaver. 